Hi, I'm Lauren. I'm Tia. And this is the journey to transformation. Welcome back, listeners. Hi, everyone. And welcome if you haven't been back and this is your first time listening. Yeah, welcome. If this is your first time listening, you've got a whole back catalogue to get through. Go digging around that back catalogue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so jealous of you. <laughs> you lucky sons of bitches. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. Good. There's an enormous green pepper over there. Well, gosh. What's your favourite of the bell peppers? Color-wise. Color. Yeah, I was like, I didn't know there were different kinds of bell pepper. I like the red one. You're racist. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I like all of them. (laughs) Whatever. But I think the red one is tasty. And the orange one too. Yeah, orange is good. Yeah. Okay. So, what are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) We are talking about equity pauses. Ooh, what are they? Oh, why are we talking about them? (laughs) So the reason we're talking about equity pauses is because it's something that we practice in our work and we encourage our clients to practice them as well. An equity pause is effectively a kind of reflection point. So it's a moment to stop and think about who might you be excluding from your work? How can you be working towards more inclusive, more equitable practice, whatever it is? And we thought it would be a good idea to talk about it on the podcast because we're in the middle. If you listen to one of our previous episodes, we're in the middle of revisiting our whole strategy and the work that we do, why we're doing it, what the fuck's going on. Are we still on track? Are we still aligned with the original values that we went into this work doing or seeking to deliver on, actualize, whatever. And I think for both of us, we're thinking we really need to revisit these equity pauses and how can we be doing them better? Because it's all well and good when we're like, let's do these equity pauses and here's what it means. And oh yes, let's include all of the people, but we don't do it consistently. We don't revisit it regularly. We do it consistently for every project, but we don't do it consistently throughout a project. Yeah, hundred percent. And even through some of the questions, which as you say are about who is being excluded, whoever's featured in the answer to that question, we don't revisit it and then say, okay, these people might be excluded. So what now? And also using that as a frame to hold the people we work with to account, right? Sure. Like in the inception phase or whatever phase of a project, we talked about these people being excluded. What are you doing about that? Not just us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of the reason why we wanted to talk about it on the podcast is because we're thinking a lot about it. Now we're talking about how we bring ourselves closer to our values, which should be a daily practice, a daily, I don't think we, I don't think you're living your values every day, not you specifically, but one is living their values at every moment of every day. But I do think we should always be working towards getting closer to that. And that requires a careful reflection on where you are and touching that point. Pause. (laughs) A pause. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what an equity pause is and how we use it? Yes, definitely. How we use it is we'll ask those four questions. Sorry, did you say those four questions? Nine. Okay, because I've been listening to you. So (laughs) how we use an equity pause is we ask four key questions. And we do this in the early stages of a project or program or evaluation with our client, other stakeholders. And we ask what perspectives or voices have been or may be excluded 
How are or might we reinforce inequalities? How are we moving towards more and or improved equity and inclusion? And how can we challenge our assumptions and biases? And we open this out as an individual thought process so people can put sticky notes, reflect on it individually, and then coming together as a group to reflect on what does this mean and what does this look like across many people's input. So that's this reflection piece, time to pause, slow down at the beginning and almost give it a little bit that proactive thought process in terms of mitigating who we could be excluding. And it's as we just said, it's fine enough to point it out, but then you've actually got to do something about it, which may be the hardest bit and the bit that we're missing. And ultimately, it's a framework to help us make sure that we include people on the margins of a project or program or people that you might not even think of that we invite other people to think about including. Indeed. And I think it's a really tangible way that we can better support equity and inclusion specifically. I think for us, what we're always looking for, like all of the people who may be excluded and why, and this is a really tangible, easy way to take a good step towards better understanding what that might look like. Absolutely. Because some of the things that come out of those conversations are things that we wouldn't necessarily immediately think of, even with our highly sensitive liberal do-gooder eyeballs on it. (laughs) There are some people that we just don't even, we wouldn't even consider. There are roles sometimes that we forget to consider. So we did this with a client and somebody had put ex-staff who may have a poor opinion of the organization. Yeah. And there's a real willingness in that, right? To be like, I'm going to write ex-staff hoping there's a willingness that we might reach out to them and those negative pieces might come out. So even in a way, like what people write in that pause and that process is telling for us about who or what people are willing to open up to us about. And also, yeah, tied to that, people's reactions to the questions we ask. Sometimes we've had where we're asking about biases or assumptions or how you might reinforce inequality people have not really known what to put or haven't really spent as much time thinking of outside of the space. So sometimes there's not many sticky notes. And that's a bit telling for us as well about where a client might be in that conversation or that journey. There's a lot to be said when there isn't a lot said. (laughs) Yes, and it's a great way to put it. Yeah. I know. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell when people are being frank and honest. And because of where we sequence it within that Inception workshop, I do find it quite funny because you'll have a group super open to collaborate, doing a bunch of stuff, like really getting engaged. And when you hit that section about how do we do this better in a way that's more equitable, in a way that's more inclusive, Lauren and I don't work with shitty organizations who don't share our values or communicate in some fashion that we may share the same values. So Some of the questions that we're asking here should never be a surprise if these are actually feminist organizations who do blah, 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 blah. So it always surprises me when people are caught off guard with this, because then it tells me that you're not having conversations within your teams about what this is and what this means. And you're not having your own internal conversation about where you are and what you're doing and where you sit in your organization, in society, in time. Yeah. You've got me thinking a little bit about when we've done it before and I have felt a bit uneasy and I don't know why I feel uneasy. I feel like I'm throwing out some kind of you're all racist. (laughs) Like it, it feels like 
there's sometimes an uneasiness. I hadn't really connected that before. Yeah. I think there can be a bit of discomfort because I think it means like what's getting taken for granted is like, I work for a charity, therefore I am a good human being. And I think when you're asking somebody to say like, where... What biases do you think you might carry with you? Yeah. And you've, and also, like I just said, throwing out there, you are all racist, but that is racist. where we want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, actually, I'm taking that back, I actually now want to put in a question. And it's so, how are you reinforcing white supremacy? Yes. Assuming that you are because you, you are. are. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, in a way, this is like level B, and we should be going to level A. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I do think we could be taking a notch with mm-hmm. this exercise and really I think it's funny in the context. Do you remember we did that project where to make sure we were being equitable in our distribution of time across our interviews? One of the things that we do for every project is we list the people we're going to talk to who have agreed to talk to us. And then in those conversations, we ask them their pronouns and then we make a little graph based off people's pronouns to just make sure we've got a relatively even distribution or to make sure that we're not doing some like women's empowerment exercise and the only respondents we have are men. But remember when you'd ask people their pronouns in the introduction and people would just like laugh at you. Oh gosh. Yeah. And that would make me feel so awkward. Like, I am a very awkward white British woman. And so when I, I ask the question that. and people laugh at me or, oh, I want the ground to swallow me whole. Yeah. yeah. This has happened a few times. Yeah. One of the organizations is one that proclaims to be a feminist organization. Yeah. It's all over the website. Yeah. They've produced a bunch of stuff. Yeah. It's shocking to me that normalizing the use of pronouns. Yeah. Is. Right. Was like that. And I can appreciate when there are cultural distinctions, but you were talking to other white people. Yeah. And it's like, could easily. Sorry, make, white Western people. Yeah. And it's like, could easily make an assumption that you're a man and your pronouns are he, him. But I don't want to do that. Yeah. That's not the world I want to live in. Yeah. Don't reverberate that back at me for asking. Yeah. Yeah. That felt very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't somebody was like, Mr. Or something? Yeah, or they yeah. gave you their job title or yeah, something? Yeah, no, like they, they were like, well, I was like, what do you pronounce it? Mr. And I was like, oh, should I? Like, and then it's like, oh, I have to explain or do I ask again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think there's an opportunity for us to really take this equity pause to, a, to, to new heights and to be much more confident in our activism. And the yeah. reason we do this work is as a vehicle for our activism. And if the things that were really important the things that are really important to us are dismantling white supremacy, dismantling the patriarchy, dismantling heteronormativity, all the things, right? Ableism, all this stuff. In our little lane of where we work, I think these are really good ways for us to be chipping away at stuff. Yeah. yeah and I think the white supremacy question is a really good one because everybody's afraid to talk about white supremacy. Oh my God, definitely. I'm a white supremacist all the time, people. So like, it's okay to talk about it and acknowledge where it's happening. Yeah, me too. Try to stop it. Recognize it. That's It's okay. Yeah. And there's a lot of really interesting discussion I've seen on LinkedIn and other spaces about negative connotation with racism mm. and being a racist. Yeah. And how much that like situates with other, I don't know, cultural factors. Sure. As a British person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weird because what you want is to, in some ways, normalize the identification of being a racist. Right. And that <laughs> is like exactly that, which is normalizing something that harms somebody else. Yeah. So, 
then that's yeah it's normalizing the recognition that you're sure. harming other people yeah yeah i'd much rather you not you but one mm-hmm. talk about the harm that's being done yeah because it means you see it the problem that i have is when people like do racisms and don't realize that they're racisms yeah for sure that's all yuck Anyways, okay. the other utility about an equity pause that I quite like is that it, from a practical sense, helps you with developing your sampling method, Yeah, helps true. you with your stakeholder analysis, helps you with a bunch of stuff because you get a good sense of who else is in the mix. Yeah, definitely. And from our perspective, we don't know what we don't know. So an equity pause is a good opportunity for us to challenge our own assumptions, essentially, because yeah. we're not necessarily asking, tell us how you bunch of fucking racists we're also saying like how might we be doing shitty things and mm. doing it inadvertently with the best of intentions but not getting it right one of the great examples that we got that i think about constantly is we use a number of different digital collaboration spaces and when we got to the equity pause and said how might we be reinforcing inequality somebody put by using digital platforms And like, we know that we know that's a problem. We did it anyways. We made a choice based on the things that we saw in the like landscape of that project and that team. It felt like it was okay to situate it there because it was a remote evaluation. It was like all with people based in wherever it was. But yeah, it's also an opportunity for people to check us, which I think is quite good. Yeah. I think that's really right. And I wish that that process and the equity pause was more of an invitation for that, like both way challenge. And maybe in the way that we present it, there's ways that we can be like, this isn't just about you or what you've done. This is also about us. Perhaps we can be a bit more like this is the space in which we invite that challenge both ways conversation. Yeah, 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 agreed. What's missing from, do you reckon? What's missing is that you could take it down maybe to a more granular level. So I'm thinking about there is another model called the equality impact assessment. Actually, it might be equity for some organizations, but for some it's called equality. Anyway, Mm. which might come back to another issue. Yes. (laughs) I don't believe in that. This equality impact assessment goes at the granular level of particular kinds of people, people who are disabled. How could you be excluding them? What could you be doing to make sure they're included? Mm. Next group of people, mothers or women or whatever. Next, like how could you be excluding them? And goes group by group. So it takes it a bit more to the granular level, but is associated more with a particular thing. So like an activity or an event or a policy. Okay. So it looks at the assessment of that discrimination against a particular thing you've done. Okay. So it might be like that what we do is like that overarching piece but you can filter that even more detailed and granular at the activity level and for particular groups yeah we should use them yeah i first came across equity pauses when i was doing a lot of work around objectives and key results okrs which is a goal setting methodology i love it if you need somebody to help you with okrs tia is the one i'm the one i'm the one for you tia at jrnyconsulting.com. Nice sell. You like that? <laughs> yeah. So I first came across them because Objectives and Key Results is, there's a really great book it's called Measure What Matters. And that's why it's a great complementary piece for 
the not-for-profit space or people who are working towards the social good, whatever that looks like. It really helps you to focus in on like how you know what is the most important thing to do and why it's the most important thing to do now. So importance and urgency. And one of the things that they do within that is an equity pause. Nice. And to look at how you're setting your goals, how you're designing things in a way that is equitable because objectives and key results is really a kind of collaborative goal setting exercise. And it can be really easy to exclude people in that process and to move forward with big ambitions and big dreams without really thinking about who might be interacting with that space. Mm. So that's where I came across equity pauses and where it's started to filter into my own practice. Okay. It's really like a tangible way of doing or practicing the do no harm principle as well, because the do no harm principle, which is, I guess, a humanitarian way of saying being aware of how you could be having a negative impact in whatever you do, often feels a bit like an overarching thing that people say, but this feels like also a tangible way of approaching it. Yeah. And when I say it's easy and equity pause is easy, it isn't easy emotionally. I think it can surface some challenging things for people, as we've just discussed, but it is a very easy, tangible thing that you can do, right? Like it's very easy to throw them into every agenda. I put them on the agendas of senior management team meetings before. Yeah, nice. Like dot them everywhere you can and use them as as frequently as you can. Yeah. But some people have different questions in their equity pauses. So there's one that's around acknowledgements. So are we acknowledging history? That's and, a great question. A great way to be accountable for what's happened before what you've done. Yes. And we've recommended this as a way of looking at where you might be reinforcing systems of oppression is looking at past history. And so this is a great opportunity by acknowledging that. And another one is process and practice. Are we on the right track? Do we need to update our practices and processes? And would that be like organizational? Why? It depends. Or, yeah, yeah. It depends on where you're situating sure. your thing. Yeah. But it's a it's about saying we've paused to look at yeah. where we might be reinforcing or perpetuating harm in some way. Now it's the next step. Do we need to change something or are we on the right track to continue on this journey to transformation? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So it's almost the next step. So there's directionality in that question. And then another one that I've seen before is never would I ever. So this one's quite an interesting one. I don't know how I feel about it being in an equity pause. It's in like a... I don't know where it situates itself in our work and it feels like it should be in a kind of different space. I like the question, but I don't know if this is a question you'd ask every single, like every time you do an equity pause. And this is essentially what social issue am I willing to go to bat for, which may risk my career? Why are you working for an organization that would risk losing your job over that? I don't know that... I don't understand that for me. I'll give you an example. So I was once working for an organization which shall not be named. They were all right, though. Nothing wrong with them. Good organization. Not like the humanitarian open street map team. (laughs) 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 And this organization decided that they wanted to do a partnership with Coca-Cola. Okay. And part of that project was based in India, 
in the communities where Coca-Cola had a vested interest. Okay. The problem is that Coca-Cola was also the reason why a lot of these communities had restricted access to clean water. Right. And why you can't get fresh water, but you can get Coca-Cola, right? Mm -hmm. Like there were lots of questions about the ethical practice of Coca-Cola in these communities and actually was their engagement with this not-for-profit more about reputational whitewashing than it was about them actually trying to repair the harm that they've done in communities all over the world. I see. So it was about that. So for example, you're working with an organization and suddenly they decide to do this thing. And actually what you might say is from an ethical position, I just won't, I can't do that. Okay. That makes sense. sense. Yeah, definitely. I'll give you another example. I was working in a software company and we were going to have an away day. And they'd organized this away day and it is a software company in Seattle. So we had fucking tons of money. That was a job where I was the fun sultan and I had an unlimited budget just to make the office really fun. What? Yeah. Everyone had decided they wanted to go horse racing. I do not agree with horse racing. So I didn't go. Yeah. Even though it would have been really fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I understand. I've had a situation where an organization wanted to have a group meeting like at an army base. Okay. And that was against some of the things that I felt strongly about at the time in terms of being associated with that and what it meant for the humanitarian angles that we were trying to steer more toward. I was like, yeah, I'm not going. Nice. But yeah, I just think I quit directly before then anyway but like <laughs> for so you didn't go reasons, for <laughs> yeah but like i know but i wouldn't have gone like, yeah. like i'm not going and then like a month later oh i'm quitting anyway <laughs> so that's it so it's like what is something that's so important to you that you're mm. not willing to compromise yeah fine position on i see oh that is interesting which is why i think it's a weird question to ask consistently because presumably if your values holds all the time consistently enough that you wouldn't ask this at your weekly meetings it's something i think you might ask in a once you've been hired or in a job interview or in the early stages of understanding someone yeah i imagine yeah yeah i didn't no one's ever asked me that but this is a good question (laughs) about red lines which is not something that you and i have talked enough about like what are our red lines in the work that we're doing yeah in spite of the fact that we are routinely put in positions where we have to make these decisions on the fly yes you're right. The red lines is a hard one. Yeah. We need to have that conversation. What are talking about now? Never mm-hmm. would I ever. Another question that some people ask is, what would we like to say that hasn't been said? Now, we have this question, but it's not in our equity pause. We have it in an exercise called the stinky fish. And if you don't know what the stinky fish is, it's like a common exercise in a lot of you know, like facilitation techniques. And it's one where effectively the idea is like, if you don't address it, it's going to stink. So if you leave a fish, if you leave a fish to rot, it's going to stink. And some might say it stinks from the head. So that's like a, usually a dig at like senior management. (laughs) And so this is a question we ask, but it's always, there's a few different questions attached to that. But one of them is what, what would you like to say that hasn't been said? And it's usually in the context of the reason why we're there. Yeah. So sometimes what we'll get is that we don't have time to do this evaluation or we're not going to listen to the results or the findings anyways. Like it's usually stuff like that. 
Yeah. Or, or I'm just trying to think of what else usually comes up, but, or I don't really know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like someone's been invited and they have zero idea that why they're there. That always really funny. People are like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I was invited to this yeah. meeting or something. <laughs> <laughs> and they're saying it in anonymous, but yeah, or they never saw the terms of reference for the evaluation. So yeah, that yeah. happens all the time. Yeah. Which I think is probably a bit of a red flag signal. Yeah. We get a lot of red flags. So yeah. So that's an equity pause. We'll share all the things we've discussed in the show notes so you can build your own equity pause into your work. And check out our website, jrnyconsulting.com, where we'll start listing some of these resources and start sharing some of our own resources. If you want to get a sneak peek into the real deal resources, check us out on Patreon. Or hire us. Or hire us. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's cheaper to go on Patreon, to be fair. (laughs) But you have to do it yourself. Yeah. Any concluding thoughts? I've got a couple, but... I decided to let you go first. Oh, that's so nice of you. I'm very nice. <laughs> I think through this conversation with you, equity pause is becoming more important and it should have been more important. And you think about the time we commit to it in the early stages, more time to it. And also I think the analytical piece behind it is also really important. A lot of what we do in our work is we have frameworks, we have tools, we have processes that reveal certain things, but it's that, so what now? What do we do with it now? that we often don't have time for. So I think for me, that's a real flag here. I do think we do a good job of trying to bring it back into the inception reports as and when we have to do that or when, or actually in the final reports that we do, we usually find a way to bring some of the things from the equity pause back into there, usually as a limitation. But yeah, you're right. The analytical piece, we just need to commit to doing it more. If we really care about what is being drawn out from that, then we need to Yeah. And I think being open and honest with our clients and saying this is really important and therefore we're going to commit some more time to discussing this with you. Yeah. Can't argue with that. No, you can't. You can't argue with it without coming off like a complete fucking asshole. You don't care about racial and social issues in the world. Okay, then. (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) Red line. Yeah. I'm telling everyone. (laughs) I have a podcast. (laughs) People know by now that there are certain organizations. I'm just one that I'm willing to drag through the dirt. (laughs) Well, that was fun. Yes. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Thank you. Do you want to eat this bell pepper? No, thank you. Oh. Okay. All right. I'm Tia. I'm Lauren. And this has been the Journey to Transformation. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Journey to Transformation. Leave us a five-star rating and a written review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Journey to Transformation is written and edited by us, Tia Rogers and Lauren Burrows. Our music comes from Praz Canal.